What is up, Internet? Welcome to another episode of Randy King Live with... Anyways, we have Tammy Arbor Kraken. Yay! Uh, my good friend Tammy Arbor Kraken is here to have a discussion um, on something that kind of popped up with one of the seminars we've done. We've done a bunch of seminars together. But one of the seminars that we did where um, I brought Tammy in to run it. And because the fan base or group wasn't as aware of Tammy as they should be, I don't know how you don't know who Tammy is. If you follow me, I talk about her all the goddamn time. So I don't know how you don't know. But when we we did the presentation, we did the, the material. And after there was like, we always do a debrief and this is kind of like a violence dynamics thing. And I know Tammy does it probably with 500 Rising and I do with all my stuff, uh, trying to get like feedback from the clients to see, you know, what, what stood out was the message we were trying to get out, what was actually getting picked up. And I met some interesting feedback. If you know anything about me, I like to always double check and look for biases and all that kind of stuff. Um, and when he was giving the feedback, it was weird because the feedback he was giving about how Tammy's presentation wasn't good was all things that I do the same, if not worse than how Tammy does it. So uh, like some of the feedback questions were like, oh, the presentation seemed a little bit scatterbrained. It wasn't, he also came in late. So he missed like the preface of her literally saying, this seemed a little bit scatterbrained because we're doing this, this and this. Um, but that's how all my presentations are. That's how all of my things are. So this, this cued me up. So of course uh, I checked in and I messaged Tammy. He was like, hey, Tammy, do you find that like when you say stuff in this space, you feel minimized? And then I could like hear the eye roll through my phone. <laughs> and she was like, oh yeah, that might happen sometime. So we decided we'd have this conversation. So first of all, Tammy, just in case, why don't you tell the listeners who you are, how we know each other, and then we'll kind of walk this conversation out. Sure. Um, Tammy McCracken, uh, no Randy. Randy and I know each other. We met initially um, filming together with one of, on one of Rory Miller's DVDs that he was putting out years ago. And we teach together on the Violence Dynamics team. We have developed some material together and, and done some work together and, and have uh, done a lot of you know, outside of the public eye, I think I, I find maybe this is valuable is we spend a lot of time talking with one another at different times on different topics, like teasing things apart and asking the what if questions and, you know, poking holes, you know, into the tried and true comments and questions and statements of real, you know, certain realities and self-defense and um, so we've had a lot of very honest dialogue over the years with one yeah. another. Yeah. And so we do Viodai together. We've done some stuff together. I have I'm the founder of 500 Rising, which is just finally getting some legs because COVID got in our way and which is a, a process. It's a project of equipping women and men as well in some more effective approaches to delivering women's self-defense training, et cetera, et cetera. And we have a really big goal of getting, you know, sort of infecting the universe with some new ideas. So yeah. And awesome. I own a craft school in Northern Virginia. I always forget to say that. All that other <laughs> stuff. Yeah. And that, that was really cool that you mentioned that. Like, yeah, I think 
a lot of the interactions that people see obviously are ones that we put that are public, but we have a ton of interactions where I'm like, what do you think about this? And same thing with you. Like, what do you think about this? Cause I really respect your opinion and it shows you clearly have a little bit of respect for my opinion as well, which I really appreciate. Uh, so that on this topic, let's, let's walk this out. So pretty much what I want the thesis of this podcast to be is the, I just like, I guess the lens that people tend to look through uh, when people are presenting, even though the material is basically the same, right? Like, and you said, this is kind of an issue. So why don't I let you talk for a little bit? Cause you're on the podcast as a guest. I've been yapping this whole time, but like you were, you remember the, uh, the, in- the instance we were talking about, can you like, mm-hmm. kind of like go over that? Like your initial reactions when I asked this question, cause I, I think you were shocked that I didn't already know this. Right. 100%. I was bored. <laughs> yeah. Well, and it was just crazy because like, yeah, like I'm like, oh, is this like normal? Because I don't, I don't know, maybe because we're so tight, people don't normally say stuff like that about you mm-hmm. to me. Right. Probably. But this was the first time I had this, like, I was like, what? Tammy's not an inapproachable goddess as you have been ta- described on the internet. So, <laughs> like I wasn't going to say that on this. So uh, Tammy, why don't you walk out the conversation and kind of your thoughts initially, et cetera. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we'll start with when you just reached out to say, Hey, you know, I've got a question for you. And I, you know, my first response was sort of duh of, you know, of course. Um, and, and equally surprised that you were surprised. I think that was really the, my, my first moment in the conversation where, you know, I pause and like actually create words to respond because I was, you know, like you often not at a loss for words, but in that moment, I was like, wow, really? You're asking this question and because you don't know. Um, yeah, so I was actually really surprised by that. Uh, probably because more than anything, because you do so much work in with women and women's self-defense and, you know, in a variety of different demographics. And, you know, so I, I just sometimes, I mean, we all project our expectations on other people, right? So I just sort of, you know, Randy's got it, Randy's inner female is strong, right? So he, he knows this stuff. Um, and, and I, yeah, big, huge eye roll in the background of the text conversation we were having because I have to take a breath on this one. You know, after, you know, after a while of being steeped in certain kinds of dynamics, we grow a little numb to them, right? It's like, yeah, there's another, yeah, whatever, you know. And we don't even really pay much attention to the conversation anymore, unless it's a real one that somebody actually wants to have around a topic. And but and so this is when I wish I was at that point where I don't don't even notice it. It just kind of flies by anymore. But it's it's not. <laughs> it, it definitely tends to hook me for a few minutes and I have to go, okay, we can have a conversation now, maybe. (laughs) um, And yeah, so it's, I think there's so many layers to this and knowing that we were gonna talk about it today, I've been replaying the conversation a little bit because the, as you mentioned, the initial observation was, Tammy says something, Randy says the same thing side by side. one gets minimized versus the other does not. And, you know, so some of that can, we can take it to the broader gender conversation as a whole, but then it it drops down into some more specific things, which 
were part of um, part of our dialogue and you know my reflecting with you on you know like this happens all the time right. so that's a very general response I don't I figured you would kind of poke poke yeah. the bear a little bit to get some specifics oh of course and I think uh, so I just, I just pulled up the conversation so if it looks like I wasn't listening to you I wasn't I was scrolling through my phone but uh, I, fa- I found um, I found the start of the conversation so I'm going to read it uh, and then because it wasn't even that you were minimized, it was that there was assumptions made about mm. you because you were talking about violence. So uh, I said, so I'm a big fan of the ellipse, everybody. I use it far more than I should. Uh, so, hey, ellipse, so ellipse. Um, interesting thing. Do you find that educated tough guys have a problem with you and then start making assumptions? Uh, oh, so sorry. And then start assuming things about you to make you broken in order to explain why you are the way you are. So this was the, obviously we were, I'm not so blinded that I don't think stuff happens, but I didn't. Yeah. It was this shocking. Was the thing. Yeah. This was the thing that yeah. really pulled this out and we decided to have this conversation. This thing is what they just, they just put stuff on. Like you had to be broken in some way in order for you to, uh, in order for you to be like this, right? Or to teach in this area or to not be, I don't know, cooking barefoot in the kitchen or whatever assumption they had, right? So um, like they assume you have some kind of tragic backstory and he was armchair diagnosing you, which was hilarious to me. Um, and yeah, your response was a big yup and then it's a hook for me. So let's let's go through that specifically. Let's really okay. dial into the, how dare you not be breeding while you're talking about fighting to men, <laughs> right? <laughs> <laughs> what which part of that do you want well, how where do i start all, all of it let's start at <laughs> let's start at the assumptions let's start at the fact okay. that the person assumed you obviously something horrific had to happen for you to even have an interest in the subject i find yeah. that condescending at best yeah okay yep i'll give you that yep. um yeah so it it is it's very it's very fascinating to me when I can take the giant hook out of my mouth um, and and just kind of try to actually look at it because this was not by any means the first conversation about that assessment and, and assumption that I've had. And um, But what's interesting is the first one that somebody's had with me about that assumption, like if you have a, a woman who's working in the violence realm in some way and you know then something something horrible has happened to her that's the only reason why she's here so the first time that that thought process was verbalized to me it was not about me actually it was about a colleague of mine so i was um working with another instructor and you know we're training together and this other woman in our cohort of, of training colleagues came up in conversation. I don't remember why. And at the time she was in the DC area and she was running a small nonprofit that was for um, like uh, quasi post recovery support for human trafficking survivors. And, um, and it was, she was doing some really cool work. And so anyway, this guy was training with, um, asked me he's like you know why why does she do that and i'm like because she wants to and marketing uh, before that and just 
making money, but not feeling like she's really contributing. And this is always something she's been interested in, blah, blah, blah. Hence, now she does the thing. Right. And, and I was like, why do you ask? Because it was kind of a random question based on the interaction. And he said, well, you know, most most women who do things like that, um, you know, that it's because something like that's happened to them. And I'm like, yeah, I know that's not true for her. <laughs> like, I actually know that is not true. Um, and I had that same facial expression. I'm like, what? Why? What? I find um, the word most problematic uh, a lot of the time, to be honest. Like, were you just making this stat up? Like, so you met two yeah. women who were there and out of four women that trained. So now we can use the word most right? It's, yeah. it's a problematic yeah. word. Anyways. Yeah. So I think that was the first time that I was like, really? You're having that conversation in your head? Mm -hmm. Huh? And I'm, I'm sure not the first time that the conversation was happening, like in the background right. around my experience. It was just the first time somebody had it out loud in my presence. Um, and, and, you know, since then paying more attention to it, I hear it more and I hear it in the periphery more because a lot of people won't bring that conversation forward, right? right? They won't come to me and, or the female, cause I'm not the only woman out there who's, who's teaching and training and developing curriculum in self-defense and combat arts, et cetera, personal safety and all that good stuff. And, um, so the conversations come like, I'll get, like, I got this, asked this question about a female colleague. Right. Right. So they don't, they're, so there's some interesting little consciousness that says, don't ask her directly. This mm -hmm. could be bad. <laughs> like, right. let's, do, let's do, let's not do that. Um, so I find that very interesting and problematic for a lot of reasons. And um, because it speaks to, it speaks to everything that's sitting underneath it. Cause you know, if you really truly have an authentic question for somebody yeah. and even if you don't know them really well, but it's a burning question and you really want to like, this seems like a big thing, right? I'm going to find a way to have a conversation with them or I'm just going to put it over there. But it's like when we feel like we need to have lots of peripheral conversations around something like this, which is, seems to be how the conversation unfolds. It speaks to something. Um, a huge deflection and avoidance patterns. We're gonna use the psychobabble. Sure. And um, so it, it is super common. I think, I say super, I think it's relatively common. And, and it, it doesn't come, in my experience, doesn't come from other women. It comes, like you say, from the, the guys who one of two categories in my experience in sort of a broad brushstroke of behavior and personality. One is I'm the big tough guy and this should be tough guys teaching tough guys or tough guys teaching women how to like, if here's the tough grade, tough guy grade, it's tough guys teaching women how to be here. <laughs> right. Um, and, and, the, and in that world, it's a, that all of that works in that case. And, but if so, if she steps up then then she had, there's something that has to be wrong with her. Um, Cause otherwise, like you said, you know, I'm a tough guy, she's got a role, I have a role. And then I think the other place that it comes from outside of sort of the role busting dynamic where it just screws with people's paradigms of the world is in in, in men who don't know what to do with 
a female who is equally as comfortable or perhaps more comfortable, depending on the person, um, in managing violence than they are. Interesting. Now we had this discussion on the in the in the thread um, because of the we were talking about this, but the periphery conversation I think is a really important conversation, and especially for me, I really try to I empathize as quick as possible, uh, trying to figure out both sides of the fence, right? Like wh why would somebody right. do what they're doing? Uh, and I try to err on most people aren't awful. Uh, there are some people that are awful. Most people are they just don't know what to do, right? And so, yeah. do you think that? Um, and we kind of talked about this, but for me with the not asking the instructor directly which is again this is gender based though with not asking the instructor uh, specifically when it's a woman do you think it's based off of like in some way like a politeness thing like oh i don't want to bring this up because fun fact people will straight up ask casey if he's killed people like right to his face right, right. but when it's a woman and it's a dude they don't want to like are they are they are they doing the periphery to be sneaky or are they doing it because they don't want to make that person uncomfortable? And it could be both, I guess, but. Yeah, I think sneaky is a little bit um, low on the percentage scale, like sure. authentic sneaky, I think is pretty yeah. low um, in the prevalence. I think, I also think polite is a little low on the prevalence okay. scale too. Okay. <laughs> Cause I think it falls somewhere in between. I think that the, the self-talk is I'm being polite. Um, but I think that, well, so one, usually the assumption is that, well, so I was gonna say, usually the assumption is, you know, like she's something horrible has happened to her, um, in, involves violence. And when we start putting violence and women together, people immediately start thinking about sexual violence, of right? Course. So yeah, immediately. And so that, it, because we still suck and in particularly Western society, having conversations mm -hmm. about anything related to this, yeah. then, you know, people get weird immediately. I don't know what to do. It's crazy. I'm going to interrupt you because I have an anecdote that I don't want to forget. So uh, my daughter just turned 13. She's a teenager now. Uh, yesterday, uh, yesterday being the past, you don't need to know my daughter's birthday is internet. But um, the we, I took her to the movie called Suicide Squad. Should have looked up the rating. Should have looked it up. <laughs> uh -huh. um, but here's the thing. And, and I just, I'm just trying to really hammer down the point you just made about us having conversations about this kind of stuff. That movie is the goriest movie I've probably seen in a very long time. Literally at no point during the violence did I feel uncomfortable with my daughter sitting beside me. But there's one scene where a dude pops up with his penis out, gets shot at his dong flops. And I was like, and then I felt uncomfortable and sh she was uncomfortable. And then I, it was like an aha moment. Like that's a normal human body part that they're showing on screen for comedic effect and for shock value. But King Shark spoilers rips a dude in half. I'm like, this is fine for my 13 year old daughter, but a dink. Oh my God. So I do think, I think in like Western society, at least like on this side of the pond, we have a real problem with anything sexual. So even asking about, so we're going to assume the worst and the worst is always sexual violence. Right. And especially when a woman is involved. Anyway, sorry to interrupt. I just thought that was funny and kind of, kind of fit here. Yeah, no, it's perfect. Right. It's perfect because that's like, that's at the, that we're sitting in a movie theater and to the spectrum, right? Yeah, so then we exactly. exponentially expand the discomfort zone. And, you know, that's what we got in when people are doing this mental math and making this decision. So it, it doesn't always come out as a decision, but if you think about it from the standpoint of like, if 
I, in my experience, most of the questions are not true questions. They're a decision that the person has made and they're checking because they're pretty sure they're right, but they just want to check and make sure they're right. So they ask it like it's question. Hmm. Right. So it's because I, because if it was an authentic question, it would phrase differently. Sure. In what way? That's it. And I knew as soon as I said that, you're going to ask me that. <laughs> of course. Um, damn it. Um, if you can't it quantify is, it, it's fine. It's just, I'm just. Yeah, curious. I think it is a little hard to quantify. In person, it's a right tone pitch volume thing, right? Sure, so sure. what's happening, you know, in the vocal proxemics. I think in textual conversation, it's, it starts, um, it's more from a, like there, there's a, there's a context around it that communicates authentic discovery. Okay. You know, like, and from a, a standpoint of a personal growth, like for, for the asker, mm. right? The person who's asking and acquiring, there's a, like, there's a personal value to the conversation as opposed to sort of voyeuristically proving an assumption. I see what you're saying. So I think if I can paraphrase what you're saying. Sure. Uh, so you're saying like the the question, like it comes across more, there's two options going to come across. It's going to come, come across as one, aha, validated my suspicion. Or mm. it's going to come across as, oh, did this person experience this? Like that would be a different level yes. a little bit, you yeah. think? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and it's, and it's, the words may come out exactly the same, but sure. the, the intent behind the question is a hundred percent different. Right. And, and intent is, you know, it's not something we can quantify on paper, but it, we definitely can quantify it in the interaction. Right. You know, it's qualitative. Well, especially measure, with the response to the answer, right? If the response is, yeah. yep, yep, nope, that makes sense. Or, Oh my goodness. Right. Like that's a different, it's just a different yep. thing. Cause, and I think this is where, so, uh, men, I know you're, you're scared all the time because you don't want to get canceled. Uh, you're probably not important enough to get canceled anyway. So calm down. But as we're doing, honestly, as we're doing, was that too harsh? As we're doing, as we're doing this though, like I know for me, especially, right. So, uh, there's a lot of women instructors out there that I, I try to talk about and bring up and stuff. Cause we've had this conversation. Uh, it takes unfortunately a dumb man to be like, Oh, she's also smart. And then there's some validation. Um, and I want to get into validation about this a little bit. It's another question I have coming up. But when we're looking at this, like a lot of the, the male instructors, they get freaked out when we have conversations like this. Because like, oh, well, now I'm not allowed to ask somebody's history. We're not saying that. What we're saying is, if you're asking because you want to be right about a world assumption, that is not okay. Mm -hmm. That is not what we're looking for. If you're actually trying to learn about the human being, that's okay. And I think that's a good basis for all questions, really. <laughs> right? Fundamentally, right. Yeah, that's a... That's a fundamental baseline from which to, you know, have an inquiry with another human being. Exactly. Like it's just, and I, and I get it, like it is, it is a little terrifying on the internet, but you're going to, you're going to be okay, everybody. Um, when we're doing this. So here's another question I have about this kind of thing. So I'm looking at this from like both a micro and a macro view, because I'm, this mm -hmm. just fascinates me, right? This assumption of, of uh, something bad happened to you. But when I talk about horrific things, it doesn't happen to me. Right. Like it's just stupid. So, um, 
do you think that this started, I don't know if it's the same way anymore. Like I said, I know a lot of uh, women instructors out there who had nothing bad happen. There's interest in this thing because maybe uh, just interest or they want to just get physical or there's some umpteenth reasons to be interested in this, right? It doesn't have to be something bad happened to them or a friend. Uh, so when, when they're looking at this, when women first started getting more notoriety in my opinion calm down internet don't cancel me uh when i first started in this area i'm not important enough either uh when <laughs> i first started in this area a lot of women like and and this happens men too they use their traumatic experiences as the proof of concept of what they're teaching so for yeah. me i just put up a knife defense thing recently right i've been stabbed my joke is two and a half times but three times technically right so yeah. knife in the face knife to the leg fork to the arm um i tell that story but then nobody's after that story it's just like a laugh they're not like oh my god is ready a trauma and i fucking did but they don't talk about that <laughs> right? like, it's, it's yeah right so but do you think that this because i find that people once they kind of learn something that fits closer to the worldview, they very rarely re-examine it with new information. And they kind of just, mm -hmm. that's what I think about this. Let's move on to the next thing. There definitely was a time where women were talking about their experiences openly and they were in the self-defense sphere. Do you think that's what's painting a lot of this? Like, because every instructor they met was telling stories to validate why they're teaching, like all instructors do, but because, you know, ovaries were involved, it was different and precious <laughs> and you got to protect them. You know, maybe I think we, this is this has a complexity to it, right? Because we we have the overlay of of the the social societal construct of gender identity and role, and you know who, what what you're supposed to enjoy and what you're not supposed to enjoy based on your gender. You know, um, you're probably way too young to remember, but I think it was Rosie Greer, football player, who was into cross-stitch or needlepoint was back in the 70s and everybody was like oh, you know and he's like it's very meditative you know we <laughs> like this is back in the Joe Namath days and and you know so any you know so it definitely the the social constructs of what you're supposed to want to do comes into play mm. and then if we if we do go back historically um and and honestly this is before my time not in birthdays but in involvement in the industry um the the names that stick out to me when you go back and you think about what you were just saying, that was the, I'm, I'm groundbreaking by becoming an instructor in this field that is dominate, dominantly men, yeah. you know, this is still quite is. some time ago. And it yeah, still it still is, is. It's still even is. more so then, like, yeah, oh now yeah. it's like, you look at and you see a couple of women, you're like, okay, back then, if you saw one, it was like, there's a female among us. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Who let her in? Um, and then the the line of creeps, <laughs> like in, yeah. instantaneously. Oh, there's a woman here. Oh. I'm gonna sit by her at lunch. No, I called it. It got real. It was it was good times. Anyways, go on. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yes. Um, you know, so I do, and I think the oh, so so many different ways I want to go with this in my head. Let me see if I can keep it from sounding like a complete hot mess. Um, You'll get judged if you do so. Uh, yeah, that's okay. Because you're trauma. Gonna yeah, I'm trauma. Um, oh, maybe that's what my no, never mind. Um, <laughs> keep the snark inside. The I think that people who are male or female who are groundbreaking into 
a industry or profession where they're not normally supposed to be, there's an assumption or an ex expectation that they have a justification that is unique. Sure. Because you don't belong here. So you should have a, historically, you don't belong here. So there's a reason, a unique reason why you are here. So, and then if you are trying to, you know, make your bones in the industry and then there's then the storytelling comes into it as far as like this is my background which serves to purpose I have this history that is why I'm doing something that generally women don't do or men reverse roles um, and and now it also and this goes to what you were talking about it's like one of the reasons why people who do seminars and, and teach we tell the stories that we tell because they give context, not only for the point that we're trying to make that might be a tad academic, but also to add a little bit of gravitas, like, hey, I actually kind of know what the fuck I'm talking about here, right? So then when women started in the industry, largely their focus was women's self-defense. And then of course the natural some to fall out is you know, rape defense, which is where rad came from, right? right you know, rape, assault, defense. It's like, why is, why does it have to be only that? <laughs> like, that's it. you know, that's, a, that's the only thing you get to defend against. You know, if you're in a partner, a, a partner relationship that's violent and, you know, they're going to bitch slap you, you, that you have to take. <laughs> like that you don't get to defend. <laughs> so anyway, um, but it goes to just that's, that was that concentrated sort of myopic perspective of, you know, in the early day of the industry. So I think that's for women in it. And I think, so I think that's part of it is that there's a, a baseline that was set initially for sure. And then I think too, it, it reaches out to larger social constructs of, um, and this is where I had, I had to tell myself to calm down, like calm yourself down because it's really not been terribly long no. since women were allowed in in the military as a whole as as an actual career path right. right so you know world war ii you can do a couple things but as soon as the war is over you know toss right. it back to the kitchen um and then it's been quite recent historically since women were permitted in combat roles right. and and that's only and that's not universally across the planet either in you know, first world countries, it's still a hotly debated thing. People talk about Israel, for example, all the time, like, oh, go Israel, because the women, everybody at 18 serves two years, unless you have certain exemptions, everybody. Men, would doesn't matter, everybody in. However, women traditionally are not permitted in combat roles. Right. And a lot of people don't know that, IDF, females, go, go, go. You know, it's like, and yes, open the door and look on the inside. There's still a lot of, um, resistance to that lots. And, you know, so that makes, so this is what I tell, tell myself to calm the fuck down is that culturally it's a new concept for not, not the existence of women having a, I mean, use a phrase that makes a lot of people twitch, warrior mindset or, you know, warrior personality. A lot of people get twitchy on the warrior word, I know, but um, it's historic, like, Lots of women historically have had that, mm -hmm. but the the social constructs were so so tightly woven to prevent it being expressed, and and certainly deeply punished if it was expressed in certain cultures, mm -hmm. that it just went 
Right. You know, these are things we, we only whisper about, you know, behind closed doors with other women that we're pretty sure won't out us because even other women would have found that very inappropriate and would have, you know, right. she wants to blah, blah, blah. So, um, so all of that's really quite new. And so I think there's, I, I think there's a, a violation still in a social construct when you have a female, me, anybody else, who's comfortably talking about violence. Like, and not like, oh, violence, big, bad, scary, but like, hey, yep, here we go. Uh, you know, wanted to, I could co absolutely take, take two steps closer. <laughs> just, just do it. That, and so I have a bunch of things I've written down. I'm trying, and this is what I've learned okay. about my ADHD is I don't interrupt if I can write it down. So don't forget. Um, the funny thing is what you just said. The reason you being so comfortable with violence was the reason the guy diagnosed you. When it was the story you told about the, I don't want to get into it too much, but where, you know, you're like, come near, come near me. Let's see what happens. And then he was like, oh, this, so you're such an important point. And why I want to highlight that is it's not even the fact you're doing it. It's that you're comfortable with it. Yeah. You had to get comfortable somehow. Right. And I think moving into it, there's a couple of, couple of points I want to make, and then we can move on. Actually, is what I want to walk a little bit more, but I find it funny. Don't you find it funny when, um, so a woman has to have experienced violence in order to traumatic violence, traumatic, not like a, not like a kickboxing tournament, not like a bar fight. Cause those fucking happen. Um, it has to be traumatic, usually sexual in nature, um, in order to teach self-defense. Right. And you can't, if a woman doesn't experience that they can't get their heads wrapped around it. But on the other side of the coin, if a man hasn't experienced violence, why are they allowed to teach self-defense? Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like how many yes. men have to prove, like it's just such a weird thought process, which that leads me to the next thought, which is what you're talking about with the military. And this, so uh, again, I really like to tell everybody, I wasn't this guy all of the time, right? I had to learn as I was going, the differences and I had preconceived notions and constructs, et cetera. Um, the reason why women aren't allowed in a lot of military fields is because of the threat of rape, right? That's, that's the justification a lot of people say. You know how many male soldiers are gang raped using sex as a weapon? It happens fucking all the time. All the time. So I think like, obviously there's different problems that we face, but a lot of the, the reasons why people's logic stands like, well, of course women shouldn't be in the military because they're going to get raped. Uh, dudes raped, the Taliban rapes. They rape a lot of men all of the time. Um, Africa, lots of the wars, they rape the men because it's a it's illegal and they mm -hmm. use rape as a weapon. If you can feminize, I guess it's not the word I want, but if you can make them feel like they're no longer a man through rape, mm -hmm. they're no longer a threat to you. They're broken. It's actually a better tactic against men than it is against women which is insane. And, but, but no, women can't go because they're gonna get, they're gonna get whatever rape they think is gonna happen. But the men think they're immune to it when not true, just not talked about. Yeah. So I think that's, I think it's very interesting that no, like you said, right? When it comes to a woman going through violence, it's automatically sexual violence, automatically. And when a man talks about violence, automatically socially, social violence, bar fights, whatever, you were military, whatever, right? Like, yeah, it's just so crazy to me. And that the validator for one, if you don't have violence, you shouldn't be teaching martial arts, is the thing that descends the other person. Oh, because yeah. you have this, you must be broken. I just find that yeah. interesting. Yeah, well, it is. And I, I think it, it speaks to 
those, uh, um, there's these archetypes, if you will, right, that society places around gender roles. And of course, that's the big, you know, there's a big upheaval in that conversation right now uh, across Western society. So, um, but the upheaval doesn't destroy the archetypes, they're still there. And so there's these archetypes about who men are supposed to be and who women are supposed to be. And, and we're, boy, man, we are as much as we know, intellectually, that those are not healthy or useful from a a standpoint of like putting people in boxes and then making assumptions from that we are very committed to doing so right um and it and it just it shuts the conversation down and and does weird things like you say you know people who ask casey or you know other friends that we know have been like so what did it feel like to kill somebody you know it's just sort of like violence porn you know like um and and that's and then if it, because there's the assumption that, you know, there's been that level of violence and that makes you cool. It makes you special. It makes you worth listening to. Right. And then if the, the uh, information is forwarded from the mirrored counterpart that happens to be female, then everybody gets weird and awkward and, you know, her, and either she's broken and damaged goods or, or you get, um, you get people who has not happened to me in decades um, in the sense that it had, it, I haven't been someplace where somebody said this, but long time ago, I was someplace where somebody said to somebody else, they stood up and they said, it was a leadership training thing, men and women in the group. And some girl, woman was sharing some of her struggles and blah, blah, blah. And this guy stands up, literally stands up and, you know, does this and he looks at her and goes, on the behalf of all men, you know, I'm, I, I, I'm apologizing. I'm like, sit down. <laughs> what the fuck? This isn't about you, bro. Don't apologize for everybody. That's an attention yeah. grab. But it's, it's not an, it's less common now. Um, but it was not the first time I'd heard somebody do that when yeah. the moment I'm recalling took place. So it's just, you know, so for women, it has to be, you know, it's like, She's damaged, she's broken in some way. And there, I mean, the reality is if you hold that mindset and you're listening to a woman speak and you you decide that this is the math that fits her, then nothing she says from there has substantive value. Interesting. Because, I mean, you can tell yourself it does, mm-hmm. but you're going to have to put it in. And when I say you, I mean, all humans, yeah, doesn't matter who you are. Yeah. You have to put it in a, box of special a, a special knowledge box like right. this this information belongs in a box where it's useful in so much as it was delivered by somebody who knows it only because they're damaged goods interesting that taints the message then it taints the information if you hold that mindset that's such a good point i didn't even think about that and i think like so there we're talking we're talking about archetypes but I also want to go back to Betel male cuck energy, dude. Um, there was, we would talk about um, these, these archetypes, right? The, the archetypes exist kind of for a reason. There are a big chunk of society that likes these things. Why is it? It just, it's it just inconsistency bothers me. And you know, this, it drives me crazy. Hypocrisy and inconsistency in people's messages bother me. And I think it's because most people don't know 
who they are as a person and they just react to each individual thing. And that often breeds inconsistency, right? Yeah. Um, so anyways, uh, outliers. Why is it okay to talk about the outliers that are Michael Jordan, the outliers that are Mike Tyson, right? The people like, like work hard and you can be Michael Jordan. You're like, no, you can't. You know how many dudes are working <laughs> to check out at Walmart and wanted Michael Jordan to blew a knee out? There's, there's thousands more almost Michael Jordans and there is Michael Jordans. Why are those outliers okay and we revere them? But an outlier in this, oh, a woman who wants to talk about something that's not womanly. Why is that a sin? Why does like, it's just strange to me that like we revere outliers when they fit our narrative, but we shun them when they're over here. It's just, it's fascinating to me. I, you know, I think again, you know, when I can take a breath and tell myself to calm the fuck down because, <laughs> right. you know, it's so easy to get hooked. Um, the reality is we, we, as much as we might, like any one individual may not be super thrilled with their life. Even a person who's most unhappy with their life is really committed to their worldview. Right. Because when we break holes in that, you know, you think about it, it's like this, this stone wall and a dark, you know, and there's no light coming through. And when it starts to crack, the light starts to show through, right? Or, and when, when that happens, then all of a sudden we know there's something on the other side. We didn't think there was anything there before. And my whole world was contained inside this worldview. And when you disrupt it, right. I'm at risk for having to evaluate everything, I think. Yeah. Right. And we don't like that. That's very scary for humans. And, and I mean that in all seriousness, like right. I'm no exception there. You fuck with my worldview. I'm going to have a moment. Of course. <laughs> um, right. It's just, it's how we're wired. So I, you know, I think that's part of it is that when you get, you know, you get the outliers who fit like, oh, you become a, you become a goal. You become the archetype for which I, I desire, I yearn for to achieve. Why I get out of bed in the morning and do my sit-ups and my push-ups and blah, blah, blah. Um, and because it fits, you know, even on the basketball court, the warrior, the warrior archetype can work for me long there. And now I don't know what to do. Right. And um, you know, even, even to the point, this is a complete rabbit trail. I should be, be, I should be doing like you and keep my brain sort of on a, <laughs> on a channel right now. Um, but every once in a while, when I'm like searching images and even where I'm going to pay for it, you know, so I can use it in marketing or whatever. And I start putting in the keywords that are, you know, woman, female, whatever, girl, warrior and you know that kind of thing whichever once in a while do because i'm looking for a specific image like in my presentations mm -hmm. all of the imagery is sexualized wow like all you know it's it's so like i have you know like i remember seeing a picture of a group of women in combat fatigues you know and they're some either either training or they're deployed or whatever and i'm looking for that picture to, so i can put it up man, do I have to go through thousands of images for that one to be the one that shows up? Everything else is, uh, is super sexualized. It's crazy because those sites all work off of the most popular images get shown first, right? right. So it's just like an instant, instant show of what the world sees this as because that's what people are downloading the most and using and, and all of those things. And I think yeah, it's just weird that we like to put uh, people in these in these boxes. And I, I, I say kind of something similar, uh, but obviously we allow outliers is like uh, in I think it's uncomfortable for 
both in some cases, not all cases, obviously, for people to, to switch the view, right? So I know a lot of men that would be like, uh, I'll kill 100 people, but you, I won't ever be sexually assaulted right or whatever or, you know like their thing mm-hmm. is like you know i'll kill myself if that happens but you know i don't mind murdering people and then you talk to a lot of women who are like if eh, you know if i'm going to survive the sex isn't as necessarily as bad as me potentially hurting somebody i don't want to do that right and so it yeah. seems like it's and again come everybody calm your calm your calm your nipples down uh it's <laughs> it's what i'm saying is a lot of women seem to be a lot more comfortable with the sexual aspect of life and a lot of men seem a lot more comfortable with the violence aspect of life yes. and i think when yeah. it when it's and this is a broad generalization but when you switch it 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 freaks people out because that's not the the narrative right and and it's like i honestly i've because i talked to you like you mentioned my demographics are so big and i've talked to lots of women i think is where dudes have trouble with sexual assault survivors is they think like i would have fought tooth and nail and i would have died on that hill and that would never happen and why didn't you do this and that and this and that and Mm. you know they were like you know, it sucked and I, I, it wasn't great, but it was definitely, I've never, this has kind of happened before, right? Something similar to me snapping somebody's neck is way outside my wheelhouse, right? And most of these guys <laughs> also outside their wheelhouse too, they're just pretending. But, yes. But, but you know what I mean though, right? And so yeah. I think for a lot of male instructors, it's, and me included, very hard, right? Because like, so uh, my worldview <clears> got <throat> changed when I started working with sex workers. They got totally changed. Right. Cause I was like, why would you ever not fight back? And they're like, well, sometimes it's just easier to call the cops after sometimes just easier to, you know, like you say, right. And people, so you remember my joke where I always say, I'm going to say that so much people think you're quoting me. Um, it actually happened with you. So you say that people, you can't survive wrong or you can't survive incorrectly. That's your quote. I use that from yeah. you. And somebody's like, I think you say this and I actually correct it. I'm like, no, 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 no. <laughs> but my joke worked, but you can't survive incorrectly. But I think a lot of male instructors don't see it that way. They think the correct way to survive is through physical violence, because that's the way I feel comfortable expressing mm-hmm. my defensive nature, where in some cases, and you never get to armchair quarterback, somebody's on the ground, in my opinion. Um, yeah. I think you're the same way. But in a lot of cases, if you weren't there, like the decision, maybe a male or a female made to uh, to not fight back because men also get raped to not yep. get to not fight back might have been the fucking best decision they could have possibly made in that scenario right 100 i mean there are more cases than i think we can even conceivably count to be honest <clears throat> excuse me that if we look at the how the events progressed right. that you know it, it the most people defend what they see coming, right? So this is yeah. usually in that moment, there's like, aha, things have just turned. And, and so you're, you're already working off the back foot, right? So you're in some way, maybe it's a power size differential. Maybe it's just, you got totally caught, you know, ambushed. And so you're playing catch up through the whole thing. So either way, it's like in that moment, when we would look at a lot of these cases and stories of heard and blah, 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 the thing that probably kept them alive mm-hmm. was that decision right. to not physically fight back to to the extent that we're talking about. So right. that that is like, hi, that's why they live to tell the tale exactly. in a lot of cases. Which is why I love that saying. I think what people don't understand is people like to think that like violence only done by people that are unintelligent or the idiots right experienced predators set themselves up so they don't fail 
They set the environment. They set the the timing. They pick their target. They wait till they're like, this is why with a lot of my teaching and training, I've moved a lot to like, uh, like all this bullshit self-defense advice, right? Like, oh, look tough when you're walking and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, if you've been stalked for three weeks by the same person, acting tough when they go to grab you isn't going to be the, the thing that changes it, right? Yeah, but people don't look. At, people don't look at that kind of stuff. Um, before we end the free show here, I want to jump over to Beta Cuck Energy, dude. Uh, the the apologizing for all men thing that still happens a lot, uh, a lot. Um, that's a red flag for me. Uh, honestly, is like so. The word feminist, for example. So I have been described as a feminist. I'm not a feminist. Uh, if if believing women should be treated like shit makes me a feminist, I guess I'm a feminist. Um, but honestly, I'm not in the trenches fighting the battles. I'm not at protests. I'm not looking at the wage gap. I just think humans should be treated equally. Uh, if that's the bar for feminism, please raise the bar. But anybody that identifies themselves in that way, anybody that's like, oh, I'm apologizing for all men. He's not apologizing for men. He's ingratiating mm -hmm. himself to the people in the room so he can mm -hmm. fucking worm his way in there, right? It's the same thing with like, oh, I'm a yep. feminist, but you're not a fucking, fe you can't understand it. Like you can, you can't, you can help, you can be an ally, but you can't uh -huh. fucking be, I'm sorry. And maybe I'm wrong and you can flame me on this one. It just, it drives me crazy. Every time, every time a dude has said he's a feminist, he gave me huge creep vibes before that. And if you say you're a feminist by Analia, she will physically shiver. <laughs> she will physically shiver. Like she doesn't like that shit. And it's it's crazy. Like, so when we could be allies, we could be helpful. But like honestly, like I don't, I've never been to a wage gap protest. I've never been to a you know free um sanitary shit for periods. Like I don't even know words. I don't, I don't go to that. And I have a daughter and a, and a fiance. I would never consider myself that. And like I said, if, if your definition of this, this beta cuck bullshit energy is, oh, I don't think women should get raped. It's not a feminist. That's you're a human being with decency. So I think before we leave this conversation, um, because also you are being revered a little bit because you're the Michael Jordan of this. You're an outlier that people want to yeah. become, right? How do you deal with, because I'm sure the more, the more that happens, the more men who are going to try to ingratiate themselves to you in that manner. How are you, how are you dealing with that? Um, Heavy question. Just fucking come at you for no reason with this big yeah. question. <laughs> All right, a little tee up would have been good. Nope. Um, <laughs> I should know better. It's you. you should know better. <laughs> so I, I think on the, um, from within the walls of 500 rising, yeah. it's, it's been easy because we, and in, in the early stages of just deciding whether or not we were going to do a thing, you know, like actually do something with this. We had some, some guys who were right away saying like, I want to be involved. I want to do this. I want to do that. And so it was an immediate, like, we're going to have to set up a, you know, a set of parameters for how we want to work with us. And so the, um, yes, we have the happened very first time. We wasn't even an organization yet. I had some dude say, Hey, I want to be at your very first 500 rising training us. And I said, well, the first one is, for all kinds of reasons. The first one is going to be only women. There is was one dude there and that's because he represented the law enforcement agency that was hosting right. it. So he kind of, it's Casey, he had to be there. Yeah. Um, and he also served as, as my demo partner on some of the stuff where it really needed to be somebody significantly bigger than me for it to make a difference. Um, and Casey's not a white or small dude, so. 
Yeah, neither. So, so I said, you know, so the first one is restricted and there will be ones periodically, I'm sure where we'll do that. But, you know, after that, then there'll be, you know, the, there's infinitely, not probably true, that's a gloss, but there's a lot more guys than women teaching self-defense. So if yeah. I, we don't bring the guys in, we're cutting our noses off to spider our face in the goal. So there will, that will be open to you. However, the, the purpose for coming to a 500 Rising Instructor Development course needs to be with the mind of, as you go out to teach, that you're looking for women who catch your attention to become instructors. Like your job is to change the game. And interestingly enough, he has not attended or made any interest, uh, shown any interest in attending any of the courses we've done so far. Shocking, because he wanted to say he was at the first one and he wanted to say he was really this, but yeah, like, and how is that not implied, right? So uh, obviously I've been doing this a long time. I have women instructors who've taken your courses and who I write reference letters for if they want to get whatever. Um <laughs> Obviously, that's important. Does this so? This might this might end the show really nicely in a bow. Can we apply the same rule we kind of came up with for the question to this? Is their response to being this person about them getting self aggratiated or is it about actually helping? Like with the yeah. question we talked about at the beginning, right? Can we yeah. use that as a like this person's a perfect example? I want to come to the first one. Okay, cool. Here's the risk going to happen. You can't do the first one, whatever no more conversation. Uh, you were that person who just wanted to reaffirm your worldview. And who knows, yeah. maybe he would have been like, I went and this sucks and blah, 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 blah. And like, this isn't the way that women, um, I guess yeah. I want to talk about uh, on the Patreon side of things. Um, I want to talk about the, and this, so women are not a monolith. Heads up, everybody. The saying women doesn't mean every woman. So when, because I still have mostly male viewers, I know I'm picking on you and I'm probably going to lose some of you, but I don't give a shit. Um, so there's a lot, in my opinion, we're just leading this up, don't ask these questions yet, that's for payment. Um, there's a lot of self-cannibalization with women self-defense instructors. And there seems to be, in my opinion, um, a, lot of, a lot of people doing more harm than good with other women self-defense instructors because they're using their... They're, they're doing that thing you do where you cause a little fake war to boost your numbers but it's watering down the message entirely. So that's what I want to talk to Tammy about on the uh, behind the paywall, because I'm going to mention some names. So I don't want to do that for free, um, uh, but I want, to, I want to talk about that on Patreon. So Tammy, thank you so much for this conversation. I think it was important. I always do. I love talking with you. Why don't you tell the people where they can get a hold of you? Um, I can't recommend, I haven't done the 500 Rising course yet. I will. Uh, I just want to bring it to Canada really badly and travel restrictions, et cetera. Um, as yeah. Tammy mentioned, mentioned we have a really cool double-edged sword seminar that we wanted to do but covid happened and fires for randy and all the funness that's been going on so um look for more stuff uh i can't recommend tammy enough obviously i have her on all of my stuff but tammy why, why don't you tell them like how they can get involved websites etc yep so um the the best way to get involved at this point since the majority of my energy outside of the work that i'm you know doing keeping our local gym running 
with COVID being, you know, definitely in my corner, um, <laughs> sort of running a self-defense training center, but it, it is to connect in through 500 Rising. So we have on Facebook, we have a 500 Rising page, so that classic business page. We have a 500 Rising community group, and that's that's the hashtag 500 Rising community group. If you're looking for it, that one's a little gated. So if you want to join, and it's like I don't I don't care how you're plumbed or how you identify, you're welcome. Um, but you do have to answer the gated questions. Right. So if you don't answer the questions, just asking to join, I'm, you're not coming in. Um, take two seconds and answer the questions. They're not profound. So and so you can follow follow the page, follow the Instagram account. Um, join the community page, go to our website, 500rising.com. And um, if you want, we have an instructional foundations course uh, next month, actually in Northern Virginia, that does have some space available. It is, so the registration information is up for that. That'll pop up on the website page. You can read about it. And I'm gonna take two seconds and do some plugging here. So um, there's also a, a place where you can just like, put me on your email list or whatever, and they download a little free ebook in exchange for your email address. And we do not spam. I only send emails out every, every almost never, you know, like with stuff that we have developing. And, um, and trying to be, um, put our, you know, it's like, like you said, with hypocrisy and people talking a good story and then not following up with it. We're trying to do our level best to not do that, knowing that as human beings, we're gonna fuck it up at some point, I'm sure, right? Everything that we're teaching, now obviously like level one courses there, the curriculum outline for like level two and instructor becoming an instructor instructors, all of the curriculum outline is there. Everything that we require for credentialing is there. So there's no mystery. There's no secret sauce. The only thing that we don't have on the website is the code of ethics because um, it's long and detailed and I want to have conversations with people about it. And there's no reason for people to have that unless they're coming to a course and considering right. getting credentialed. So, yeah. That's awesome. Uh, perfect. Thank you, Tammy, so much for your time. We're going to jump over to Patreon. Uh, don't forget, Rand Rory Tours happening September, October. I don't want to double over the 500 Rising. If you go to 500 Rising, go to that, honestly. Uh, I really think you should go to it, especially if you're looking at the women's self-defense side of things. Not that's what it's for, but it's, you know what I mean, right? If you want to look for yeah. that, go for it. Because our seminar is just two dudes punching each other and throwing each other. It's very martial arts combatants based. Um, it's not really as big in the self-defense realm as possible. Um, so yeah, if you could be there, Northern Virginia, uh, check it out mm -hmm. if you're there that'd be awesome uh i already know i've seen some stuff i've talked to tam we've had questions i've never taken the course but everybody has taken it loves it so i'd recommend it i it's on my bucket list i am taking the course um so do it check it out i highly recommend it and tammy thanks for your time we're going to work for patreon yep thanks for having me